0: Being ready to receive. Uh, So I hope you are ready to receive Uh, because it's quite a word this afternoon. I feel a bit like Liam, like God asked me to bring this, and I'm like, really? Can't I do something nice, kind? (laughs) But I'm going to take encouragement from Paul that hopefully, even though it's challenging, uh, it's delivered with kindness. Uh, But I thought I'd start uh, this afternoon with a little quiz. Uh, It's only a one-question quiz, and only one of you I'm going to ask to actually get involved in it. Um, But we're all going to have fun together at the same time. So I wondered if anyone in here reckoned that they could name all 12 disciples. Anyone reckon they could do it? Only, should we test Liam? Yeah, okay, all right then. Come on, up here. (laughs) Come on then. Prove yourself as a a pastor. Yeah, I've got a list. I can't remember them. <laughs> okay. Um, there's two Simons. Uh, one, of them, one of them became Peter. Sure. Yep. Two James. Fine. Can you say the names one after each other instead of times two? James James. Actually, does anyone have a pen handy so I can oh, keep track? Okay. Otherwise, I'm totally going to lose my place. Anyone? Oh, there's one right here. I was prepared. Okay, hey, don't cover them up. All oh, right. Okay. So you've got Peter. Excellent. You've got James, the other James, and Simon. Uh, Andrew. Yes. John. Yep. Uh, Thaddeus. Uh, or, do you know his other name? Nathaniel. No. Bartholomew. Jude. Jude. <laughs> Bartholomew. Yep. And his other name was. Yeah, was Nathaniel. Excellent. Uh, Judas. Of course. Thomas. Yes. Two. Moses was not a twelve disciple. <laughs> Jesus. Is there another Judas? So No. Matthew. Matthew or his other name? Levi. Yes. Wait, one more. <laughs> Caesar. Anyone else know it? No. Oh, someone said it over here. No, not Mark. Philip. Philip. Yeah, well done. You got 11 out of 12. Give them a round of applause. Keep studying. <laughs> More to come. Yeah, you can remember all 12 disciples off by heart. That's the aim of the Christian life. Um So these 12 disciples, yeah, we've all heard of them, right? We all, at least if we can't know them all off by heart, we've at least maybe heard of them, yes? These original 12 that that ran with Jesus, they were his original crew, like you might have your crew, they were his original crew. They were his homeboys. They were the original errand boys for Jesus. They were the ones that walked around with him. They they were with him. They ran with him. They did life with him. And they were this bunch of like misfits all together. Like they were from such different backgrounds. I'm sure you know a lot of them were fishermen. uh, So that wasn't, you know, a super high paying job, I presume. It wasn't, you know, up with the nobility but they had one in there that was a tax collector they had one in there who was a fanatical jewish nationalist they had one in there who was um i don't know what my other point was but they had a very they had a varied uh background these these group of 12 you know they weren't like a sorted, been through theological college for three years. Now I'm ready to walk with Jesus. Here I am. They came as they were. They came and they ran with Jesus and they stuck with him and they stayed with him. And these 12 kept, uh, they ran with Jesus for th- these three years that they were on earth with him. But only 11 of these 12 kept running with Jesus. I'm sure you know we, we mentioned the one, the one who didn't, Judas, Judas. But 11 of them kept running with Jesus after he left them. 11 of them kept running as true disciples. 11 of them didn't give up when it got hard. 11 of them kept, you know, uh, wholehearted following Jesus. 11 of them could have been counted, they stayed as true disciples. And you see, these 11 men who who came from very different very normal very ordinary walks and backgrounds of life because they kept running with Jesus because they were these 11 true disciples of Jesus that followed him wholeheartedly didn't give up didn't tire yes they had their journeys yes they had their doubts yes they had their problems but they kept running they kept running. And you see, we don't always know a whole lot about their individual lives. It's not like there's actually loads of recorded of them. When I was doing some research on them, for some of them, it's written down that they're a little-known disciple. I'm like, wow, they ran with Jesus for three years and they, all they get is a little-known disciple. But we know the impact of these 11. We know the impact of, of these 11 that they, kept to, they kept, chose to keep on running with Jesus. They chose to keep being true disciples. They chose to keep being committed to following Jesus with their whole heart. Because you see, these 11 ended up leading the first church in Jerusalem. They became missionaries to a range of different countries. They went from Egypt to Syria to Greece to India to Ethiopia to Armenia. They wrote some of the New Testament that we get to read today and that helps us. They were local missionaries. Hey, we've heard about, we've we've been local missionaries to our local hospital. They became local missionaries to their local people, ordinary people, just 11 guys, staying true to being a true disciple of Jesus Christ, not giving up, sticking with him, running with Jesus wholeheartedly. They preached Christ and they spread Christianity throughout the world. They flipped culture. They changed the known world upside down into this new faith that entered into this sphere, into this world, into the land. Because they ran as true disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Can you understand the picture I'm painting? It started with this core. Twelve core people started with Jesus. Eleven carried on. 11 spread the message, we now read about the impact of that 11, but that one didn't make it, that one didn't make it, and I wonder, you know, it makes me so curious about Judas, and I know there's the, you know, the whole idea of the, the prophecies, he had to fulfill a prophecy, and it's, you know, it's all part of it, but there's, there's part of me that's so curious about Judas, because he looked like he was running with Jesus, he did the same experience as those other 11. Yet when it came down to it, he betrayed Jesus. He still, when it came to the end of it, was self-serving and serving his own interests and gave him up and gave Jesus up. But he, he ran with Jesus still for three years. He spoke with Jesus face to face he saw Jesus work he said his name he listened to his teachings he would have experienced prayer time with Jesus but he didn't carry on running with Jesus he didn't stay a true disciple he didn't stay wholehearted in his race with Jesus wholeheartedly running for Jesus and my question for you today, and this is, went straight in, didn't I? But hey, let's, like, why else are we here? Like, you know, I want to bring something that's going to change us and challenge us. And it's, I'm not saying I'm preaching this as much to myself. Like, this has been a journey for me and Jesus so recently of actually, am I ready to run as a true disciple of Jesus Christ? And you might think, Emily, do you not think you should have asked yourself that question before you decided to lead a church? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, we're all on a journey. We're all learning. We're all growing. And, and I have this question. Am I truly, actually, 100% in, ready to run as a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Am I ready to commit to that? Am I willing to commit to that? Or if we're honest, is there a part of me that actually emulates Judas's heart? that when if it comes down to it there's still a part of me that might betray jesus in some other area of my life isn't fully 100% quite submitted to really running full steam ahead 100% after jesus christ as a true disciple so my title of my preach today and there's a slide so you can remember what it's called is called ready to run this morning ready to receive hey Are we now ready to run? Because what are you going to do? You're just going to build it all and keep it all for yourselves? Those 11 didn't. They ran. They stayed. They went. They committed. They were wholeheartedly in every ounce of themselves to pursuing Jesus Christ as a true disciple, to living as a true disciple. I loved what Liam said this morning when he said, we have 100% of the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have 100% of us? And that's so to do with this as well. You've, yes, you've given your life to Jesus. Yes, I gave my life to Jesus. Yes, I've made that decision. I'm saved. I'm on the path, right? But how many know you can get on the path and stop on the path? Oh, this came in. This happened. Da, 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 da. Actually, this looks a bit appealing. What's over here? Or, or maybe that's too hard. I'm not sure I can handle that. Emily's preaching. Liam's preaching. Man, they're challenging. I'll just I'll look over here for a second. You're on the path. I was on the path. You're on the path. You've given your life. But are you running as a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you committed to running as a true disciple of Jesus Christ? And I want to share a bit of my personal story. And uh, I hope you'll be kind to me because I'm going to be vulnerable about it. Oh, wow. I didn't think tears were starting now. I actually cried when I was preparing this. So I was like, this is not going to go well when I actually have to say it. Um, I was like tapping on my laptop like, Jesus, this is just so, I can't say this without crying. Uh, So here we go. I'm just probably going to weep my way through it, but that's okay. I started crying in the first session of the day. If I'm honest, I don't think I've actually stopped since. My eyes have been like permanently leaking, but that's okay. (sighs) It's just what Jesus does. Uh, So... I've done the half hearted disciple of Jesus Christ life. <sighs> I get emotional because it means so much to me about what Jesus has done. <sighs> Annoyed at <laughs> that <I'm> cry. <crying. laughs> I'm like, why am I such an emotional being? Okay. I'm going to pray for smaller tear ducks. Like, I don't know if that's a thing, <laughs> but maybe that will help me in my life. <laughs> okay. So, I've done the half hearted discipleship, half hearted disciple life. Up until I was age 21, I knew Jesus. I knew him. I believed in him. I listened to him. I'd say I'd given my life to him. I went to church every week. I wasn't angry about God. I wasn't confused. I believed he was there. I absolutely would say I had a faith. I'd call myself a Christian. Up until I was 21, that you know, I, I knew him. I said that. But I look back and I was still carrying on however I wanted to. I still made decisions based on what I wanted, what pleased me, what was comfortable for me, what made me fit in, what was trendy in the world, what was easy, what was comforting. What wasn't going to prod at anything too much? You know, and I didn't even do anything that crazy in these self-serving ways. Yes, I had a few more wilder nights at university drinking, some at home, which my mum (laughs) has experienced. Don't ask her about that, we don't need to go into the past. (laughs) I had a non-Christian boyfriend for a number of years, but I still kept sex for marriage. I was a virgin on my wedding day. I never did drugs, I never bullied someone, I didn't break the law, apart from speeding. I still tried to be friendly and a good citizen in this world. You know, I didn't, it wasn't like I was doing anything wild or, or too extreme but I look back and see that I was a half-hearted follower of Jesus. I looked all fine. You wouldn't say I was a, a mess. <laughs> you wouldn't say well, she needs to get her life together. I was okay, I actually didn't go off the rails through a divorce, you know, and that's a high statistic for teenagers who experience a divorce. They go off the rails, it's, you see it happen. But I stayed in school, I got good grades. I didn't do anything crazy or have some meltdown or anything like that. But I wasn't fully running in his lane. If I'm honest, I wasn't fully, 100% running as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I'd run in his lane when it suited me when I could get something from it. But when it came down to it, was I emulating the heart of Judas rather than the other 11? Would I betray the Jesus I said I knew in my speech, in my attitude, in my conduct, in my thinking, and in my behavior, rather than betraying the heart of the other 11? that ran after Jesus in every aspect of their life. And I can look back and see that, yes, I I was betraying that I knew Jesus. I would rather have taken the easy option than stand up for something as a true disciple. And I wonder for us today, Are there areas in our lives where we just still live to please ourselves? If it really came down to it, are we still living to please ourselves in that area? Have we really surrendered it? Have we really got on his lane and ran in his lane? If it came down to it, are there ways that we betray that we actually know Jesus? But that changed for me in April 2012. Let's go up. (laughs) But it's important to know the other parts. That changed for me in April 2012. I went along to Kerith Community Church one Sunday evening mainly because a handsome young Christian guy, aka Liam Parker, had invited and said he'd take me along to church. Future husband, hello. And I sat there on this Sunday evening surface. I'm going to be honest with you, I was completely hungover from a friend's 21st birthday party the night before. And I sat in this place that was full of these enthusiastic Christians praising Jesus. With the ways of the world still attached to me. Literally and figuratively. You know, I'd been drunk the night before. I had a non-Christian boyfriend. I hadn't communicated with my mum that I'd arrived safely. And hadn't been very honoring of her, And that's another hilarious story, because she would convince herself that Liam had kidnapped me, <laughs> which I just find hilarious now. <laughs> but communicate with your parents, people. <laughs> Let's honor the parents. And so there I was, sat there, having said that I knew Jesus, but sat there covered in the ways of the world. The ways of the world still attached to me, sat there knowing that I'd betrayed Jesus in my speech, in my actions, in my behavior, in my attitude, knowing I'd done that. And the pastor suddenly points to me and he says, I don't know who the girl sitting next to Liam is, but God wants you to know that he loves you and he forgives you. And honestly, that was enough. That was enough for me. Because as I sat there, all I could think was, I've spent my life saying I know Jesus, but have lived my life betraying him. And that he would look at me in that, as I sat in all of that, as I sat in my mistakes and my worldly ways, and say, I love you. I forgive you. I don't see that. I love you. I forgive you. Oh, my nose is really running. I definitely need that tissue. Oh, it's a whole nother level. Uh. <clears throat> Tear ducks, yeah, <laughs> they're not reducing. <laughs> For someone to do that, to say to me, I see past all those things. Even though you've said you've known me, I still love you and I still forgive you. The only reasonable response for me was to lay it all down for Jesus. To give my whole heart and be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. No more half-heartedness. Honestly, that was my only reasonable response. I was like, how can someone do that? In that, how I've behaved, my only thing that was in, in, came anywhere close to being an enough of a response to Jesus was I have to give him everything. I have to lay down everything. I can't pretend anymore. This can't be half-hearted. This can't be a once-a-week kind of thing. This has to be everything. And at the end of that meeting, I resurrendered surrendered my life to Jesus. And I have not stopped running in his lane ever since. And I did things after that moment that I wouldn't ever have done if I hadn't said, you know what, I'm 100% in. I'm not doing this when it's easy or when I feel like it or when I kind of understand it. I don't care about all those things anymore. I'm 100% in purely because Jesus is worth it. Jesus was worth my full sacrifice and surrender. So I, uh, I broke up with my non-Christian boyfriend. That was a very confusing conversation for him. But it was needed. Jesus was worth it. I stopped drinking straight away. And I'm not saying that you can't have a drink. But for me, that was what he asked me to do. And I had to go to parties at the end of the uni year, graduation balls, turn up sober, have the rest of the night sober, have people say, what are you doing? All those fun jokes that you then have to endure because you've made a decision for Jesus. But he was worth it. He was worth it. He was worth the humiliation. He was worth feeling embarrassed. He was worth the awkward conversations. He was worth the sacrifice. He was worth the heartbreak of telling someone I'd been with for four years, I can't be with you anymore because you're. Not running after Jesus either. It was worth doing those things because of what He had done for me and how He had broke in on my life. I told my I went to church every Sunday. Hey, can we get that in us a bit? I went to church every Sunday there was no way I was missing being in an environment that was going to keep me running in my lane there was no way I was going to plan everything around making sure I could be there so that that would help me run in my lane I told my best friend at uni about what had happened I couldn't hold it in I read my bible with hunger I was like, man, if I'm really going to do this, I need to know how to do this. I can't just pretend. I can't just hear snippets. I need to know this for myself. I had a hunger to know it. I found as many Christian worship artists as I could because I hadn't really grown up in like a modern Christian church. It had been more of a a Baptist church where it had been in hymns and, and I loved it. I really did enjoy it, but I didn't know any of the modern stuff, so I found as many as I could because I was like, I've got to hear this. I've got to hear what I've heard song on a Sunday because I need to sing it for myself to Jesus in private because I must. Because this is going to keep me running. I can't just have it on a Sunday. This can't just be 20% of my life. It has to be everything. I told people that I'd, I'd become a Christian. I was way more open about it. I was suddenly, you can't hold it in. It has to come out. Because Jesus was worth all of those things. It was no longer an option for me to live half-heartedly as a disciple of Jesus. I was his. I was a believer. I was going to heaven. But for me, that wasn't enough. It was, but it wasn't at the same time. Because Jesus didn't come so he could just get us over a fence and then we'd wait there for 50 years and then, whew, okay, great. Great. Jesus came so he could get us over a fence, so that we could get on a path that would blaze a trail, so that we could live truly submitted, surrendered, disciplined, obeying him, so that others, as we walk and blaze this trail, might go, hey, what's that? That's different. I haven't seen that before. You see, as we live as true disciples, other people see Jesus. Other people see him. But he is also worth us living a life like that. We don't do it just for that reason. I had to get to a place within myself where I recognised that regardless of what happened, regardless of of anything that happened, it was 100% worth living my life truly for Jesus Christ just because he's worth it. Just because he's worth it. No, but, oh, but, Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Can you sort that out? What about this? I don't like this. I'm not sure about that. Can you provide this? No. He is worth me living a life of full surrender and sacrifice, running after him with my whole heart as a true disciple. He's worth it. And I wonder if we can relate to my story at all. We're all on a journey of true surrender. Hey, we're not... We're not going to be perfect with it, this side of heaven. But we can decide to give our all to being a true follower of Jesus Christ. We can decide to give our all to being a true disciple of his, of running after him every single day in every single way that we can. We can decide to do that. I wonder maybe where are you half-hearted in being a disciple of Jesus? And the trickier question, which cut me, but Jesus has asked me this. It's not that I just think you need to hear it. Where do you betray that you know Jesus? I'm not going to give examples because I trust the Holy Spirit to point out whatever it is. But where do you betray that you know Jesus? I'm tell you something. I don't just share this message from my personal point of view, but it's also something I am deeply passionate about. In this day and age, in this climate of Christianity, in the state where we are at in the world, I am deeply passionate about Christians being true disciples of Jesus. I look around, and honestly, I see people say the name of Jesus, but I don't see them live the name of Jesus. And I'm like, it it makes me upset, if I'm honest. You might think I'm a little extreme, but I'm sold out for Jesus. I can't help it. He did some pretty extreme things himself. You think Liam and I are challenging? Read Jesus' words. He punches like no other, let me tell you. But I see people saying his name, but not living his name. I see people using the name of Jesus to justify pleasing themselves. I see people lukewarm in their approach to living a life of full surrender. I see people still just serving their own self-interest day after day. When they say they know Jesus, but they don't portray that they're fully surrendered to him. And I get upset. I do. Because I'm like, isn't Jesus worthy of our full surrender? At what point did we decide, hey, here's where his worthiness stops in my surrender? Isn't he worthy of everything? Everything we can give to keep running after him? We just have to go back to those 11 that carried on running. Just look at what they did because they chose to keep going, because they chose to be fully surrendered to Jesus, because they chose to keep running as true disciples. I mentioned it before, but they turned the the world culture upside down. People were saved. People suddenly found this, this new way of life. They left a a wake of miracles behind them as they ran, as they pursued, as they kept with Jesus 100%. And I'm passionate about Flow Church being a house of true disciples. Because in this day and age, with so much confusion, so much overlap, so much... Just half-heartedness. So much people thinking they've got the solution to everything. They've got the right idea and opinion and standpoint and viewpoint on everything. In where we are at, we need to be a people that stay as true disciples of Jesus Christ. So that we stay aligned to Jesus. We must show this world. When other people come into Flow Church... It must be different than what the world offers them. It must be. Otherwise, what are we giving them? They don't want to hear gossip. They hear that in the world. They don't want to hear moaning. They hear that at their workplace. We must be different. I'm so passionate about Flow Church being a church of true disciples of Jesus Christ, ready to run. We won't hold back. I'm fine with us being known as the maybe the too much church. Whatever label they want to try and put on us. Because Jesus was too much. Jesus was told to calm down. Jesus was told, what do you think? You can't make these claims about yourself. Da, 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 da. You can't do this. You can't do that. Did it stop him? He knew his mission and he knew who it was for. And we know our mission and we know who it's for. So can we get on and run? Can we get on and just run after Jesus? Can we just please run as his true disciples? Not looking to the left or the right. Not looking to where we can make it easier for ourselves. But just remembering that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. If you ever get tired, remember Jesus is worth it. Or when I get tired or I get frustrated or I get down or I get doubtful or I, I feel a little low. I just have to remember that Jesus is worth it. That Jesus looked into my dirt and my mess and my betrayal of him and my lies and my fear and whatever else. My projection, my anger. And he said, I love you. And he said, I forgive you. And he offered me a way out. And that's it. That's enough. That's enough. We don't need all the bells and whistles. That in itself is enough to keep you at going as a true disciple of Jesus. Please can we run after him? I've got four points uh, that I'll try and whiz through. What's the time? Oh, five. Oh, wow, okay, I really took up time, didn't I? Okay, I'm going to do these really, really quickly. You're going to get smashed by these. Uh, so I wanted to look up... Uh, Jesus' idea of being a true disciple, Uh, because I don't want you to take this as, this was Emily's idea, because actually I would rather you be told by the man you're going to run after than a human who is still flawed. So I looked up, and, and this is something I've been studying with Jesus recently, every time that he mentioned what it took to be a disciple, every time Jesus mentioned, to be my disciple, you must, or you will be known as my disciple if... Okay, so this is what Jesus qualifies. Let me pre-warn you, it hits hard. It's confusing. I still have questions about some of these verses. But what I want to start in you today is a journey of looking at them. Hey, I've only got five minutes, so you're going to have to do homework. You're going to have to go and do this with Jesus. And I would much rather you do that because he knows how to speak to you best sometimes. But I've got four points and verses to go with them. And take a deep breath because they're punchy. The first one especially smacked me and winded me. And I thought, surely Jesus didn't say that. But yes, he did. Okay, so my first point for you is leave yourself behind. To be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you must leave yourself behind. There are three verses that go with this they are going to come up. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Must deny themselves. Deny means to forget. Forget that that anything that you thought of before now is is uh, non-relevant and it's now about what Jesus requires of you. It's now his opinions. It's now his ways, his words, his love, his kindness, his grace, his forgiveness. Not your standard, his standard. You must deny yourself. The second one, which this one, Luke 14, 26, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Who thinks Jesus was maybe having a bad day then? Like, whoo! okay. Like someone irritated him that day. I'm kidding. He didn't get angry. Well, he did, but in a righteous way. But anyway, that's another point. Um, but here, I want to be clear with you. This is not saying hate your family as in dishonor them and, and don't love them. And if you've got a dysfunctional family, this isn't your get out clause to never see them again. This is saying that the, the word hating here uh, was actually a, a word they used to, uh, that meant to love less. So he's not saying dishonor your family, he's saying, but you must love them less. You must love me most. You must love me most. And and actually through loving me most, you'll love them better, actually is what I found. Because through loving Jesus most, I don't don't try and please my family members, but I actually hear from Jesus about what's going to help them most. So through loving him most, I, I actually love my family better. Because I live to please him and I don't live to please them. Which means I hear what he wants for them, not what I think I need to say to them. So we must love him most. Not our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our brothers, our sisters. Yes, even our own life. Jesus first. We must love him first. The last verse on this. Is Luke 14, 33, And it says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my. Leave yourself behind. Leave your possessions behind. Leave whatever you thought you had ownership of. It now belongs to Jesus and his cause. Leave it all behind. There must be zero attachment in, in loving those things rather than loving Jesus. So that was my first one. Leave yourself behind. They get a little bit kinder from now on, you'll be pleased to know. The second one was stick to his word. In John 8, 31, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now the word abide here meant to continue. If you continue in my word. How often do I see Christians dropping off the word of Christ? How often do I see them thinking they've heard something, but they don't confirm it in the word. They don't use the word to direct them. You must continue in my word to truly be one of my disciples. I'm going to leave it at that. Third one is display love. In John 13, 35, it said, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We must display love. To be a true disciple, we must display love. That doesn't mean displaying love keeps everyone comfortable all the time. It doesn't mean you just say, say the nice thing that makes sure, you know, that, that nothing pops up that's difficult to deal with. It doesn't mean we just create a cozy Christian club. It means we display love regardless of what the situation around us is. It means we love when someone betrays us. It means we love when someone hurts us because that's what Jesus did for us. Remember, as I said, I betrayed him in my speech, my actions, my attitude, but he still loved me. Now I must do that for others. When we disagree with someone, it means we don't gossip about each other. How we speak about other brothers and sisters in the faith behind their backs, regardless if we know them or not, we must show love to them. We are asked to to be true disciples of his. We must be each other's biggest support and cheerleaders. That is the kind of culture I want in Flow Church. And lastly... So we've got forget yourself, leave yourself behind, stick to his word, display love, and step out in action is the last one. You see, in John 15, 8, I found this interesting. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We are running as true disciples of Jesus Christ when our lives show fruit of us actually knowing him. I thought that was so interesting. It means you can't get away with just keeping it all to yourself, of just staying the same, of just soaking and absorbing. You must give out because you must give opportunities for fruit to be born so that other people can see that you are one of Jesus' disciples. And I wrote this down around bearing fruit. It says, here it's talking about fruit being the visible expression of Christ's power working inwardly and invisibly within you. It's Holy Spirit fruit. It's those fruits of the Spirit. It's Holy Spirit miracles. They should follow us. They they followed the 11. They didn't have anything else that we don't have. They should follow us. Fruit of the Spirit should follow us as we walk as true disciples of Jesus Christ. So there's my whistle stop tour. (laughs) You can come ask me for those verses. I please, please go back and look at those verses for yourself. That is, that is my plea to you. That is my ask of you for the response is that you actually go and look at these things for yourself. And you look at them with Jesus and you, you ask yourself, how am I doing with running as a true disciple? Are there some things of myself that I still need to leave behind? Am I really continuing in his word? Am I truly displaying the fullness of the love of Christ to those around me? And am I bearing fruit as a disciple of his in my life? Is that good? Let me just pray for you and then we'll stop it. Lord Jesus, I just pray uh, for this group of people, for these, this family, these brothers and sisters. Jesus, this was a word I know you wanted us to hear today. I pray that anything that was not of you would be forgotten And everything that was a deposit of you from heaven through the Holy Spirit would stick and stay with each person in this room. Jesus, teach us, tell us, encourage us, help us to just live our lives as true disciples of you. Would we forget ourselves? Would we continue in your word? Would we display love? And would we bear fruit for you, Jesus? Help us in our private time to look at this with you. Help us to be honest and open and soft-hearted to being challenged on how we're doing as running as a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And above all, Jesus, would you always help lift our gaze, our eyes, our hearts, our thoughts, our focus to remembering that you are worthy of it all. You are worth every moment of running as a true disciple of yours. We bless your name, Jesus. We love you so much. We're grateful we get to be your disciples. And everyone said, Amen.